Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right here, right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together. We'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly Encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly a journey to the other side. Heavenly Encounters. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I am your co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, we are back with an absolutely amazing show tonight on near-death experiences. Our guest is an expert who has had two near-death experiences and one shared death experience. But first, we have news. We have just launched our first Heavenly Encounters blog at heavenlyencountersblog.com, so check it out. Janice, you and I are going to be kind of flip-flopping and actually posting, so it should, it should be pretty interesting since you spend most of your time on the other side. I, I yes, and I haven't fallen asleep <laughs> once or gone out of body once this year, and you notice since we've been back on. <laughs> yes, and then I want to start, um, as everybody knows, my guide, Descendment, and so we would like to do that and just just start putting all sorts of great information up that will help people along their path. Absolutely. That was our and goal also, all along, sweetheart. Well, it has been, and... You know, we've never really been the type of show that's been totally both feet in the spiritual world. We've always been one foot out and one foot in. And I've usually been the one foot out, and you've been the one foot in. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, I want to thank everyone who has written us about their own Heavenly Encounters. Please continue to email us at heavenlyencountersradio at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. This, You are the heart of the show. And you never know, you just might end up on the radio. And also, if you've missed any of our shows to date, you can also go back in the archives and listen. But first, Janice, I need your opinion. Okay. Do you think near-death experiences are real? Absolutely. I've had a couple, and probably when uh, Jacqueline Clint comes on, she can go into a lot more, uh, I should say Linda, uh, she can go into a lot more detail, but the two that I had, I was an, on an operating table, so I was under anesthesia, and in the first one, I woke up, and I said to the nurses, what am I doing in Minneapolis? And I couldn't believe I was in St. Louis. I swore to God I was in Minneapolis. 
And the second one that I had, um, I don't and and I don't know how long I was out. Um, when I woke up in intensive care, my doctor was sitting next to me, and so when I opened my eyes, I saw him, and the first thing he said was, "Don't ever do that to me again." <laughs> <laughs> but I have no great stories to impart. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. I don't know how long I was gone, and and I don't know, you know, how the anesthesia affects the experience. But I do right. a lot of out-of-body travel in that, and um, and sometimes that's the same way, you know. They they want you to have the information, but not now. You can't remember it. <laughs> well, our guest tonight is Linda Jackman, whose first near-death experience at four and a half years old permanently influenced the course of her life. She served for four, three years as the vice president for the International Association for Near-Death Studies, was also the editor of their quarterly newsletter, Vital Signs. In 2006, she founded an annual retreat for near-death experiences to, show their, to share their journey with each other and learn how to integrate it into their lives. Linda also does lectures as well as radio and TV interviews across North America. She also has been featured on the documentary, Cheating Death, Beyond and Back, and is currently writing her own book. Linda, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you on. Yes, well, thank you. Thank you, Mar- Mary and Janice. I, I'm happy to be here in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> and let me also state for all of the people that live in St. Louis, Linda is known, you know, th- throughout the Living Inside community, which we all hang around in, as Bear Woman. So if you know who Bear Woman is at Living Inside Center, that is who we are talking to tonight. Fantastic. Well, Bear Woman well, is uh, a name I got from, I was adopted into the Cree Nation. Oh, I guess it's been about mm, 15 years ago. And um, in the sweat lodge, they gave me my name, which was Moskwa Isku, which in Cree means Bear Woman. Oh, how beautiful. Oh, wow. That's how That's I got wonderful. my name. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, let's start from the beginning. Why don't you tell us about your first near-death experience at four and a half years old? When I was four and a half, I was with my family at a church picnic uh, near a creek. And uh, it was a beautiful, warm day. And my mom and baby sister were on a blanket. I could see them. I was at the edge of the creek. And um, I was putting pebbles in a bucket, and I was having a really good time. (laughs) But um, I knew that Mother said not to go out in the into the creek, but I just saw some nicer little, more colorful rocks just a little further out. So when I stepped out, you know, a few feet, um, the current took my bucket and started down the stream. And so when I went to follow it, um, the current was too strong and it pulled me under the water and my foot went under a ledge and I couldn't get out. Being four and a half, I didn't know that I couldn't breathe underwater. So I was taking all this water into my lungs, and all of a sudden I popped out of my body, and I was above it looking down on it, and I saw my blonde hair floating on top of the water. Um, I really didn't know exactly what that was. You know, I knew that was my hair, but I felt fine. I was out out of that body, and... Um, I have to say drowning is not a pleasant experience. So I was being pulled away from the scene, and then I realized I was being held uh, by someone, 
And I looked, and it was one of my guides that has been with me forever, our angels. I call them my guides, Mm -hmm. but they're angels. And um, uh, he was younger, a younger. And there was an older angel. And the the younger one that was holding me said to the older one, she needs to go back. But the older one said, it's her choice. And I was really, where I was was a very sparkly place. And being four and Mm -hmm. a half, I love sparkles. You like sparkles. And... It was sparkly. All, I still like sparkles. So um, I was looking at all these sparkles, and then I realized that my grandmother was coming to me. And so they handed me to my grandmother, and I just latched on my arms around her neck, and I was so happy to see her. Um, my grandmother had actually died when I was two and a half. And we had a really close bond when when I was little, she used to rock me all the time. So I was very happy to to see my grandmother. Um, and so I was just just enjoying all these sparkles. It was like colors that you don't see here. It's like mm-hmm. when light refracts off an icicle and you see all those beautiful colors at one time and these sparkles are all around me. And after a while, my grandmother, and you don't have to use your voice on the other side. It's all telepathy. Mm-hmm. Um she said to me, Linda, if you go back, you'll learn many things. And I said, I don't want to. And, you know, she didn't, she just loved me. And I felt all this love, right. all this love up there. And I was fully um, loved for just me. Yeah. And so I was just enjoying the sparkles. And then um, I felt a presence behind me. And I felt a hand on my shoulder, and I knew it was Jesus. Um, I didn't have to turn around to look. I just, you have this knowing. And mm-hmm. he gently said to me, repeated what my grandmother said, that if I go back, I'll learn many things. And then a scene opened up in front of me, and I was looking down at the creek, and I saw this man uh, carrying my limp body out of the water and laying me down on the gravel, and he was gently working on me. And I saw the panic in my dad. And uh, I look at somebody and I could see their, I knew what, the, I heard their thoughts. I knew exactly what, he was panicking. He didn't know what to do. And then I saw my mother. And then I saw these little orbs, crystal orbs, coming off the crown chakra of the head going up and as they came up I heard they were prayers that people were praying that I wouldn't die and I realized later much Mm -hmm. later that all the sparkles I was seeing were actually prayers that were coming up and they're so beautiful they're pure love and that's the most beautiful thing there is is pure love And, and they were all the colors of the rainbow, colors that we don't have here. And so all these all these people were praying for me, and I could see that, and I could feel their love. I felt it. And then my gaze went to my brother Bobby. Bobby was seven years older than I was, and um, he was supposed to be watching me. 
And when I, mm-hmm. I looked, he was all panicky. And then I was able to see how his life would change if I didn't go back. Because, you know, he, the guilt and it would have hurt his life. And then, and all of a sudden, out of my mouth flew, oh, I got to go back. I have to go back. Uh, for Bobby, he's going to be in a lot of trouble if I don't go back. And bam, I was back in my body. Um, that was that was my first near-death experience. Um, oh, now, oh. did you talk my, about it with your family or your, you know, any no, friends? Or back, did you just kind of keep it to yourself? You know, I, kept, uh, I kept it to myself um, because um, back then, uh, parents didn't really talk about anything that bad that happened. They were just kind of were glad that it was over. It's not like uh, today with uh, the movie Heaven is for Real, where the mm-hmm. little boy talked about it to his parents. Um, it was just, and you just learned not to talk about it. So when my mother was, my father had passed, and my mother was in her late 80s, and I went down to see her. And um, I told her about my near-death experience when I was four and a half. And we had never talked about it before. And she said, she said, you know, Linda, that day two children almost died in that creek. And then the church decided never to have a, another picnic there. Oh, and then she oh got gosh. very, very quiet. And she said, you know, Linda... Your father and I think an angel pulled you out of the water. Because when we went to thank him, no one knew who he was or where he went. He was just gone. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. So that was my confirmation after all these years of keeping it to myself. Right. So how was it a catalyst Um, for the rest of your life? Well, because I always... I always felt that that we all have a a mission in life. I didn't know what it was when I was little, but I used to right. always like to be in church <laughs> and look at the colors coming through the stained glass windows because mm-hmm. it brought me a lot of comfort. And um, you know, being a child, I just you know was wondering why why don't you talk to me? You know, when I was looking at the statues and and so. But I just, I don't know. I just felt that there was something I was supposed to do, but I didn't know exactly what that was. That right. kind of grows on you. You don't really know what your purpose is until it starts you happening. Are just that young, Linda, of knowing that the experience that you had was out of the ordinary, that it wasn't something that everybody experienced? No, I thought it was natural. I thought exactly. everybody had that. Because hmm. I, I knew that was my true home and that this was more like school. Yeah. Uh, this is where we come to grow our souls and right. to learn lessons in life and to fulfill our purpose. And it doesn't have to be a grand purpose. Um, it could be something simple. Um, so that that experience really um, I'm going to go to my second near death experience and then I'll okay, talk absolutely. about my shared one in um, 
1988, I was having, um, I had to have surgery, uh, reconstructive surgery on my abdomen. I had had many surgeries, and they were going to, to correct all the scar tissue. And so um, I went, I, you know, went in for the surgery, and uh, during the surgery, oh, everything went wrong. I had a, an allergic reaction to some, one medicine and had a grand mal seizure in oh. um, oh, surgery. Wow. And uh, when I came out, they put me into intensive care. Um, because of the type of surgery I had, they had to put a compression bandage over my abdomen. But I'm not very tall, and so the bandage that they used was a little bit too um, too big. Uh-huh. And so it part of it uh, was over my lower the lo- the lower lobes of my lungs, uh-huh. and oh, wow. um, and so I couldn't fully expand my lungs. So um, I developed double pneumonia, um, oh, wow. and I was in intensive That'll care. That'll do it. Yep, and I was very sick. Yeah. Um, I was very, very sick. And so it was really early in the morning. I could, I knew it was early in the morning because you didn't hear very much going outside the door, you know, people walking down or anything. And it just felt mm-hmm. very, very late. And um, a physician came to my bedside and said, I, we've called your family in. You are gravely ill, and if you don't improve, we'll have to put you on a ventilator. And I was out of my body. I was back into the light, which is so beautiful. It's just, it's the most loving place. And I saw my brother Bobby, the same person I came back for, you know. Right, yeah. And... um, and I asked him two questions. I said, are you okay and are you happy? He said, yes, but you have to go back. It's not your time. And bam, I was now, back in my body. Now, your brother had died, right? I'm sorry, your brother my had brother died. My brother died like 10, 10 days, days earlier. Oh, okay. my god! He, he died 10 days earlier. And before I had the surgery, I talked to his wife and I talked to my mother and I said, I have this surgery planned. Um, do you want me to cancel it, or should I go ahead with it? And um, they both said, go ahead with the surgery. So I saw he looked he looked radiant. Yeah. He looked like he did when he was in high school. He died when he was 47 of a brain aneurysm. Oh wow. And um, and he looked radiant. And I was noticing he had a striped shirt on. So. One time I talked to one of uh, Bobby's friends, and he said, I remember that shirt. We bought him at J.C. Penney's, and we thought we were so cool. So just <laughs> and I know exactly seeing what that shirt brought back a memory for too. one of his friends. <laughs> so, um, so that was my second near-death experience. And the same feeling was there. It was pure love. And that was home. Right. My true home. Um, So, and just to see Bobby and ask him those two questions, 
It took me a long time to understand why I asked those two questions. But then I realized I asked him the question, are you okay and are you happy? Mm -hmm. Because that fulfilled my contract for coming back. Because oh, that's, now, that's right. And so then I was able to go on. After that, things started speeding up for me um, as as to find my purpose. And um, Now, with the second near-death, were you able to go back uh, to your family and explain that you saw him, that he was happy, that he was okay, and everything right. was great? Right, I did. I told him that right away. Um, I was really sick. It took a very long time to get over the surgery because I had an incision from my left hip all the way across my abdomen to my right hip. And after having double pneumonia, I was very, very ill. One of the things I did after that was I read the book Love, Miracles, and Medicine by Bernie, I think Bernie, Dr. Bernie Siegel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in it... Uh, he says that you can't fully uh, get well or uh, overcome a illness like that until you forgive everyone who's ever hurt you. So when I was well enough to go down to my hometown of Cape Girardeau, um, I my mother was still living, and I decided before I went to visit her, I'd go to the cemetery and visit uh, the, my relatives who had died. And so I went and saw my dad's grave, and I said, Dad, I am so sorry if I ever hurt you, and I've forgiven you any time you've ever hurt me. And then I went to other, you know, did it to my brother Bob. And so that was very healing for me, to forgive somebody. And from that mm-hmm. I realized how powerful forgiveness is. Because forgiveness isn't condoning what hurt you. Right. It's 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 uh, letting go of the pain it caused you. Right. So, so I mean, I think it's like releasing just that huge burden like of rocks on oh, your wow. shoulders. You're no longer carrying it around it, with it you anymore. It felt like a big weight had been lifted from my shoulders. Right. And it's I like, love mm-hmm. my brother Bob. And, right. you know, when he you... always watched over me. Uh, you know, after my drowning, I, he was always there for me. And so that was, he gave me a wonderful gift. You know, he was Janice, always you're there. Mm-hmm. You well, want to say something, Janice? I was going to say is when, when you do that, because I, I spent a long time being sick too, is when you do that, it's, um, you, give, you grant yourself the gift of freedom. Because yes. as you forgive other people, you in turn forgive yourself. Exactly. And that's the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. It is. It is. It and it's the thing it's the person that we think of the last to forgive. Right. right. It's kinda of like that quote, you know, anger is drinking medicine every day and hoping the other person will actually die. Uh huh. When it's we're the ones that are being torn down from holding exactly. that anger yeah. and frustration inside of us. Hmm. Well, so and, tell us and, about and, the and, shared and, death experience. <laughs> well, I was eight and a half. I don't know what these half birthdays are, but you know when you're <laughs> when you're a, a child, half birthdays are really because everybody wants to be older yeah, when right, you're a, a child. 
And then at some point we realize it's not always that great to want to be older. So, <laughs> but when I was eight and a half, um, um, I had eye surgery. Um, as a child, I had amblyopia. It's also called lazy eye, and my right eye turned in to toward my nose. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I wore a patch for a while on you know on the my good eye to strengthen the the um, the amblyoptic eye, and um, oh, I wore little pink glasses and everything. They tried to strengthen the eye that uh, was not working properly, um, and they they call it lazy eye. So mm-hmm. I t- I keep telling it it's not lazy. It's time to wake up and start <laughs> contributing here. So exactly. Uh, well. As I said, they decided to do surgery on that eye when I was eight and a half. It was in the summertime. And so the hospital was only like a half a block away from uh, my home. And so I remember, you know, my parents walking me up there, and there's really big, long steps up to the door. And so they walked up and went in. And, um, you know, it had that antiseptic smell. (laughs) Yeah, right. But they... They had a. They took me to a room, and um, you know they came in and and so everything. It was early in the morning, and so um, my surgery was a little bit later, and um, and my parents said we'll be here when you get out of surgery, and so they put me in a funny little gown, and and um, I still remember seeing when that when I was on the gurney going to surgery seeing these lights as I went down the hallway and mm-hmm. um, when I was in the operating room I have a vivid memory of seeing that they had like green glass tiles for light to come in but nothing oh. else could be um, I don't know if you've ever seen those but they were um, glass like a glass uh, not glass brick but they they were bigger than that Right. I don't know what they, right. but they were right. clear glass, so they could let light in, but you wouldn't get the dust and all of that into it. And I remembered it because I thought they thought they were really pretty. And so um, then they put the ether on me, and I'll never forget that smell. Um, <laughs> and they did this surgery, and when I woke up, it was very sick to my stomach and throwing up, and I couldn't see anything because they had both of my eyes bandaged all the way around. You know, oh, wow. and I couldn't see anything. Well, it frightened me because right. um, back then they never prepared you, children, right. for what as they do now for what's going to happen to you. So I woke up and I was sick. I couldn't see anything. I didn't know where I was, so I was very frightened. And um, right. my mom and dad were there. And then I started. You know, I felt better because I knew they were there. And they said, "We have a gift for you." And tomorrow, when they take the bandages off, you'll get to see it. Well, do you know how hard it is for an eight-year-old to wait on right. something? Right, well, a gift. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, and so I was feeling not, not 100% better, but a little bit better, knowing my parents were there. And then all of us, it was, I couldn't tell if it was day or night, all I knew that my sense of smell and my sense of hearing were more acute because when one sense, you know, closes down, right, other senses become more acute. 
And so I heard this ding, ding, ding. Visiting hours are now over. And I didn't know what that mean. And they made my parents go home and leave me in the oh, hospital gosh. by myself. How scary. It was very scary because um, now they let, they encourage parents to stay. But um, so I was in this hospital bed and and it got, you know, after everybody left, it got real quiet. And I had never um, slept over at anybody's house. I shared a bed with my, my sister, Sharon. And so... I'd never been by myself. And so here I was in the hospital bed mm-hmm. all by myself, and my hearing was very acute. So I could, I, 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 I started crying. And I guess I cried pretty hard because pretty soon I heard the squeak of gum soles on the terrazzo floor coming down the hallway <laughs> and I, I heard the swish of rosary beads the rosary beads and she came in the room and she came over to my bed she said now you be a good little girl and you stop your crying well guess what it I almost it all it just made me cry more and right. somebody came to the door to get um this nun and and she went off and and I was just crying and then all of a sudden somebody dropped the bedpan or something on the floor and I heard that crash oh, and gosh. It, I popped out of my body and oh my gosh standing next to my bed dressed in the same funny little gown that closed in the back was a classmate of mine Jimmy and I could see. I could see. I see him. So, and Jimmy asked me, um, Linda, will you walk me home? And I said, yes. And I took Jimmy's hand. This always gets me. And a porter opened up, and we start walking into the light. Two little kids holding hands going to the light. Oh, wow. How precious. And as I got closer, as we got closer, we could see his relatives waving to him and motioning him to come on. And he saw them, and he dropped my hand, and he started going faster to the light, to them. Uh. And all of a sudden, I realized that I had to go back. I had to go back to that hospital bed and where I was so afraid and all by myself, and bam, I was back in the bed. But I wasn't afraid. Yeah. Wow. Because my two angels came with me, those same ones that had been with me mm-hmm. when I was four and a half and I drowned. Yeah. And um and and that was a great comfort to me. Absolutely. Now did you have a soul contract with him to kind of escort him to the light? N- n- no. What happened the same day that I went into the hospital to have my eye surgery Jimmy was riding his bicycle and got hit by a car. And they took him to the same hospital I was in. And Mm -hmm. later that evening, he died of his injuries. And he knew, you know, a lot of things right after you die. And he knew to come to find me because I knew the way home. Yeah. Our true home, capital H, capital O, capital M, capital E. 
And so that's how he knew, and he could find me. He knew how to find me. And um, so that's... That's amazing. That is beautiful. Now, between these three experiences, I mean, do you have any kind of fear of death, or do you actually kind of anticipate being able to actually stay there for a change? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> Keep I, on don't, I don't back fear death. This beautiful, beautiful place of love. Yeah, I don't. I don't fear death anymore. I know mm-hmm. that when I'm finished with my work here, then I'll get to go home. But right. one thing I do know from mm-hmm. talking to, I've talked to lots of near-death experiencers, and uh, uh, one one person I talked to, she had her her um, experience when she tried to kill herself. And in her experience, uh, God told her that she could come back, but she'd have to relive all the lessons up to the time that she killed herself. Oh, wow. But um, if, I mean, if, if she's choose, I, I'm sorry, let me put this up. If she stayed, she could, she'd have to come back at a later time and relive everything up to the time she died. And wow. so um, she decided uh, to come back because they wanted her to come back. And yeah. they promised her that if she came back, her life would change. And it did dramatically. Um, wow. Uh, so um, I know I know that if you kill yourself, it's not the answer. Right. No. So you're not I'll dead. just wait till I'm <laughs> hopefully old. <laughs> right. It's and then time to go. when it's my time, I'll close my eyes, go to sleep, and wake up. And then that way you won't right. have to come back. Because if they right. want you to come back, they yeah. Get you if to you come want to come back, back, I mean. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I hope that the next time I'll get to stay. Yeah. Right. Well, Well, what are some of the comments? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, two of your experiences have been in the hospital, and I know both of mine that I don't remember. What is the percentage of people having these experiences in hospital compared to being like you by being by a river or or outside is there is there any kind of data no, no i don't know of any data on that um uh, people have their experience where they're supposed to have it okay right and i i it's not and no people um actually at this last retreat there were more people that uh, several people that had them in drownings as adults and mm. Um, so it just depends. People have them from illness, or they have them from uh, many, many different ways of, ha- you know, accidents. That's yeah, right. Well, you know, most people talk about going to heaven with a near-death experience, but are there any cases where you kind of go the other direction, or you have a not so pleasant experience? Yes, and that's called a um, a hellish experience. But um, in those experiences, um, most of the time it's not, uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's like a wake up call. Um, Okay. And, and then you get to see, you know, that maybe I should come back and I'll live my life better. You, it's a learning experience. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the and some people have life reviews. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. In a life review, it's not like a judgment because we kind of. I've never had a life review because you know, at four and a half, I didn't have much life to review. And um, <laughs> but um, in in a lot of people's life review, it could be something. It it, it could be something as simple as uh, Daniel Brinkley in his life review he was shown him open a door for someone, a lady. And he said, well, Mm -hmm. what's the big deal about opening a door for someone? And he was told that what he didn't know was that day the woman that he opened the door for was contemplating um, suicide. And because of his small act of kindness, she decided to maybe tomorrow. And then life changed. So we never know if by giving someone a kind word or just opening a door Absolutely. what that ripple effect will have. Right. Right. And then wow. and then also in someone's near de- uh you know life review, they may say see something where they were said something really horrible, nasty to someone and how that hurt and anger spilled over to his daily life. And so he yelled at the dog or he did this. So it shows the ripple effects of that action. And in a life review, a person gets to feel what they caused. Oh. Now, that's a very loving learning experience. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when someone is terminally ill and close to dying, I mean, they often have out-of-body experiences as well. Are these different Mm -hmm. than near-death experience? I don't think they're really um, that different. Um, That that is called nearing death awareness. Okay. If they're close to death. Uh, When my mother was, was getting ready to make her transition, um she had several of them she saw um a beautiful lady standing in her room and she saw a dove over her bed and oh, wow. while i was out in the waiting room my niece was in there with mother and she came out and said linda you'll never you you won't believe what grandma just said and i said what did she say she said she said, Jesus is at the door. Shall we let him in? <laughs> oh, my God. So they see oh, all gosh. they could see deceased relatives. Right. And um, and a lot of people know they're going to pass. Right. Um, my father. Well, I had a, go ahead. No, I said I, I had a friend that was diagnosed with brain cancer, and she had about, I think, three months to live. And she woke up, I think it was like on a Saturday morning, and said, um, can you take to her husband, can you take the week off? I'm going to die on Wednesday. And she died on Wednesday. Oh, right. wow. Well, my father kind of did a similar thing. My mother, um, my father had retired, and my mother worked at a telephone company. And so she was home for lunch, and my father had made lunch. And he said, um, he said, Mom, I'm going on a trip. And she said, well, 
I'll pack my bags and I'll go with you. He said, Mom, where I'm going, you can't go yet. So he knew that he was going to die before um, he knew that it wouldn't be long. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of people have that intuition. I think so, too. Well, you know, on the International Association of Near-Death Studies site, uh, it said that it says that 774 people per day have a near-death experience, and approximately 18% of people in cardiac arrest that are clinically dead have one. I mean, those are huge numbers. Why do you think right. this is still not necessarily a widely accepted phenomena yet? I have no idea, really. I I think that now that it's becoming um, more information out, like this little mo- the movie Heaven is for Real, uh, right. uh, having uh, Dr. Evan Alexander uh, near death, where he is a he was a Harvard trained um, neurosurgeon, and he had. Right. Um, and his, you know, when he died, they said he he would be, I mean, before he uh, had his near-death experience, they said he'd be a vegetable when he woke up because, he, you know, there's no way anything could happen, you know, where he would, you know, they predicted he'd be a vegetable. Yeah. Well, right. he woke up and he was talking and he was fine after his near-death fine. experience. And so now he's going out talking about it. I think uh, the more research in... Um, Ian started out as a research um, mm-hmm. for researchers, and all the research is is uh, that is now getting out. There were naysayers okay. and everything, but th- they've been proven wrong. And th- this has been going on not just in this century, but the first, the very first story about near-death experience was Plato's story about Ur, a soldier. Who was killed in oh, battle, wow. and they had he was put on the funeral pyre, and uh, right before he was there for I don't know four or five days or something like that, and went, before they started to light the fire, he woke up and sat up, and he told where he had been and the beautiful things he had seen. Now that's the first written account of a near death experience. Wow, wow, that is incredible. So this has been going on. This is the only thing that crosses all barriers, men, women, races, creeds, everybody. Right. I mean, so do you find the same type of experiences, I would think, from you know, the United States to China to Europe to Russia? It's, it's all over. It's everywhere. Wow. And, and let's talk about cultures, I think, embrace it more than others. Yeah, right, exactly. and then thank God so many of these people that are researchers that have the the backing, um, you know, like some of the MDs and stuff like that that have right. have gone in and proven a lot of these things. You know, it's un, it's very unfortunate, but it takes these people to have enough guts to come out to say, yes, this is real, and I did experience this. Right, right, and uh, and and it happens a lot, and people write about it too. Yeah. Um, right. Well, I think you've seen more and more books that are out now that are actually people not, are not as afraid to talk about their experiences as they once were. Right. Well, now, and, at your ret- it, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, at your retreats, you deal with you know hundreds of people that have 
had near-death experiences. What are some of, you know, like the physiological changes and the psychological changes that happen in a person after they experience something like this? Well, first of all, most of them are not afraid of dying, and they see that that is our true home. Is uh, you know, and and we have many lives. We just don't have this one. Um, that um, I call it a. If you make mistakes, yes, mm-hmm. um, it's like in the movies you get to do a do-over or retake. Right. Like and so if you if you made some pretty bad, you get to come back. But and you get to come back anyway if you want to learn more. Um, there, um, there's a uh, on YouTube. There's a video on pearls of wisdoms from near death experiencers, and I highly recommend that that you look it up because. Uh, Dave Bennett put it together. He, he's he's on the board of, of the retreats, and um, and there's some beautiful things that um, one of them says uh, to the other side. We the ones that come back are the brave ones. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, um, so there are a lot of things that give people hope, and I oh, think absolutely. that's it. I think. Uh, we come back and we have a mission to let people know that they are loved more than they know how to love themselves. Very, and I was going to say that's one of the things. I think it's the time that we really experience, truly experience unconditional love. And I think that's one of the reasons that once you're there, you don't want to come back because, you know, you can't find that kind of love here. And if you are lucky enough to have guides or, you know, to tap into that, you know, to a a certain extent you have that all through your life, but most people don't experience that type of unconditional pure love unless they do have an experience like that. And then once you've had it, who really would want to stay? Who wouldn't want to live in that space forever? But I think one of the biggest gifts coming back would be just really the lack of fear i mean you know janice you and i have done radio together for a lot of years and i tell you what almost every other author or lecturer or whoever they are they have had almost if they have not had a near-death experience they had close to one and after they would recuperate from you know stage four cancer they had no fear whatsoever and they basically went on the path of what they were meant to do here on the earth plane exactly Right. right Exactly. So, Linda, where are, where, where are the best places to look for more information about near-death experiences, especially if someone has had one and really needs help integrating it into their life? Well, I would look at um, the, some of the books that helped me the most are, are by PMH Atwater. Okay. Um, and uh, you can go to the IONS website. They should have uh, information there. Uh, about, and so that's one of that's one of the places you can go. Um, the uh, PMA Atwater has written I don't know how many books on the near death experiences, and she is also a near death experiencer, and she has interviewed over four thousand uh, children and adults oh, in wow. her research. And 
when I had my second NDE, um, that's where I, I look for answers about the after okay. effects. Part of the after effects is the ineffability. How do you talk about something that is otherworldly? Yes. Right. You know, it's like, how do you, like, just, I kept trying to, how do I describe these colors? I'm a graphics designer, and there's no colors like the colors you see on, right. on, on the other side. They're more, they're vibrant, they're alive. They're, they are, they, they are absolutely alive, and they're fluid. Yes. Yes. And, they're, and they change yes. all the time, absolutely. And they change, and they're, they're just amazing. And the love you feel, you know, I was trying to, to think of, uh, of what it's like to have pure love. And the closest I can come to is like for parents, the first time mm-hmm. they look in their baby's eyes when it's born, and you're just flooded with all this love. Yeah. All right. That is I mean, the that's closest a- thing I could come to because it's pure. Yes. Right. But and that baby is the closest thing from the divine that we have really on this exactly. earth. Exactly. They've, they've just crossed because over it's to coming, this. Yeah, it's thing. coming straight from home. It Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And I was, last week I was, I spent five days with my daughter and I got to hold my new grandson. And oh, wow. I could feel all that love again. And, oh, he is just so precious. Congratulations, Grandma. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. What a wonderful experience. Well, Linda, I want to thank you so much for being on our show tonight. You've been absolutely wonderful. I mean, it just, you know, I haven't had a lot of things um, that I have experienced, but it's just such an amazing gift for me to be able to experience them through you and through, you know, all of the guests that we do have on the show. So thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. Oh, you're and very yes, welcome. And, and for talking about it and helping all of our listeners understand that they are not alone. Well, and I just wanted to say that they are loved. Yes. Even if they don't right. love themselves, they are loved. Right. More than right. than they that they know, and uh, and and that all you have to do is uh, know that you're yes, loved. Cause absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you well, very thank you much. So much. I enjoyed, and I wish everyone peace and joy and, and much love in this lifetime. Oh, and Absolutely. you too. The same to you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. Well, and I think, you know, that's one of the most important points that we all need to remember, that we are so loved and we are so surrounded. You know, I co-host a show with Samara on Manifesting the Miraculous, and that's one of the things that Mother Mary always says is that, you know, we are not meant to be here by ourselves. We've got spirit guides. We've got angels. We are surrounded by these unlimited number of light beings, and they're all there to help. All we need to do is really ask. And just imagine when we reach that point where what we consider to be mundane or everyday stuff really turns into miraculous. That oh, we can absolutely. see them, you know, that every every day is a miracle. I, I To me, that is like what the New Age represents. And I just think it's just, it's going to be wonderful when we absolutely. get there. Absolutely. Well, 
all I have to do is go into my garden and see, you know, a new flower bloom. And that to me is an absolute miracle on how just, you know, the world itself is a miracle every day. We just have to keep our eyes open and look for it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about our next show, which is going to be on Wednesday, June 11th at 7 p.m. Central. We are actually going to be talking about our own heavenly encounters. Now, Janice, I know you could take up a couple of shows. <laughs> so what, what I know we've talked about, we've had so many guests on the show, we've talked about all their wonderful experiences, and I finally realized that we haven't really talked about ours. So what are you going to talk about? Oh, my gosh, anything you want. I have been blessed like Linda was blessed with having a guide that is, has been with me since birth, Senmut. Um, mm-hmm. and our job, we were married in a past life many, many years ago, way before pre-dynastic Egypt. And in this life, he's taught me um, how the Egyptians did healings back then and making the oils and everything like that. So I have, I must have 22 journals that I have filled. So, oh, my and gosh. Yeah, and that's why I was asking Linda, you know, uh, did she experience it as a different experience? Experience, because when I was a kid and some of this stuff happened, there, there was a realization that something was happening that didn't happen to everybody else. Not that you, oh, you wow. have a feeling of being special, but that you were odd in that respect. You know, that right? You're you almost singled see, out. Right, right. That that it, it, you were you were the odd person out. You know, and so that's why I was so interested. But. Um, you did, and you felt very, very much alone. And then for me, it was like no, no, nobody, no different than anybody else. It was, um, I got very sick and was told I had six months to die. And oh I wasn't afraid of dying. I just wanted to know what was going to happen. Right. And that's right. really what got me on my journey. And the more I, I went on my journey, um, the more sin would become, you know, so I see him, I hear him talking right. to me all the time. Yes. Well, I mean, next to you, <laughs> I mean, my stories are almost, I mean, they're kind of ridiculous. I mean, for no, some reason. No, they're really not. Odd. Have you well, ever I mean, I can, you know, I can talk to my guys. I know, and my angels and, you know, that kind of thing also. But for what, when it comes to, I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I put more credibility on seeing things. So I see animals. I mean, I see ghost horses galloping across the road. I mean, I see prehistoric bugs. I mean, it's kind of really kind of strange. I mean, I finally have learned to stop slamming on my brakes in my car when I see a horse crossing the street because I know it's just, you know, in my, imag- not my imagination that it's just from a different, from a different dimension. Yeah. So, and that's I, true a lot of times. Um, people will talk about um, little, uh, little portals that they have. And that if you mm-hmm. can get through one of these portals, you can go into, you know, even into prehistoric America or something like that. Right. And it's almost it like these little rips in time. And I'm not in right. the other dimension. They're coming to me. It's just bizarre. Um, I know. You know, and I've been Have with other people. Have you ever stopped for a spiritual pterodactyl? No. I have not seen one of those. <laughs> even, look what you got to look forward to. I know. I mean, not that I want to have a near-death experience. I mean, I really don't necessarily want to or I don't really want to see so-called, you know, people that have crossed either. 
but it's just it's just kind of interesting because even my husband has had more experiences than I do, and he's a carpenter, so oh uh, well. Well, anyways, I think it's time we probably go into illuminations. What do you think? Oh, I think so. Illuminations. Illuminations. It's time for illuminations. Food for your mind. Well, okay, Janice, I've, I have two, and I couldn't decide, so if you don't mind, I'm going to do both. Okay, <laughs> I love it. So my first one is, if I lived a billion years more in my body or yours, there's not a single experience on earth that could ever be as good as being dead. Nothing. From Dr. Diane Morrissey, a near-death experiencer. Ooh, How about you? I like that. And you? Oh, okay. Was that both of them? No, no, no. Go ahead. I'll do, I'll go after you. Okay. Well, this is very, very brief, but I found this and it taught. I mean, it was just perfect for tonight. It's from Chief Seattle, and it says, "Death. There is no death. Only a change of worlds." Absolutely perfect. Yeah. And my second one is, I knew with total certainty that everything was evolving exactly the way it should, and that the ultimate destiny for every living being is to return to the source, the light, pure love. From Juliet Nightingale, another near-death experiencer. Oh, I love it. And also, too, I, I, I wanted to, I, we could not go through this show without saying something about Maya Angelou, who actually yes. passed away this morning. I mean, what a pioneer, what an incredible woman, human being. I mean, it doesn't make any difference whether you're black, Hispanic, white, male, female, gay, straight. I think she reached everyone just with a pure Christ consciousness that was just emanated from her, just a truly amazing human being. And I think like Mother Teresa, who took all of the sorrow and the pain in her life, learned from it and overcame it. Absolutely, and she has quite a colorful history. And Very much you know, and so. It just, and it just shows me that no matter where you are in life, you know, again, young or old, whether you're, you know, in very much in poverty or have got a lot of money, it doesn't make any difference. You can all you have to do is dream and have a vision, and you can accomplish anything that you are put on the earth to do. Absolutely. And so, and Janice, do- I want to. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and they, we do that because, like Linda said, we are all unconditionally loved. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Janice, for another fascinating show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. And remember, please email us and share your heavenly encounters at heavenlyencountersradio at gmail.com and check out our new blog at heavenlyencountersblog.com. Until our next show, be inspired, be empowered, and be well. You have been listening to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. Good Good night. night. Thanks, Linda.